0: May the words of my mouth, may the meditation of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. O oh God, who is who is our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. This morning, we're going to wrap up our series of sermons on the Lord's Prayer. And I hope this series has encouraged you in your own prayer life. It has encouraged me. As I've said, the Lord's Prayer um, gives us not just words to say, but to things to to pray about, topics to pray about. It's an outline of prayer for the disciples of Jesus Christ. Some people say this should be called the disciples' prayer because he gave this to his disciples as an outline for things to pray about as they're seeking to live um, under the kingdom of God, under the rule and reign of God. So we've seen that in this series that the Lord's Prayer is divided into two halves, The first half is God-centered. We pray that God's name would be hallowed. We pray about God's name. We pray about God's will. And we pray about God's kingdom. And so that's the first half. It's very God-centered. And that teaches us that in our prayer life, we should be focused first and foremost on God's name, God's kingdom, God's will, God's glory. But then we are taught to turn attention to ourselves. The second half of the Lord's Prayer contains three petitions that are related to our needs and not just our needs as individuals, but our needs as a community. And so we pray that God would give us what we need each and every day. Give us this day daily bread. And then we pray for forgiveness because we need forgiveness each and every day. And we need to forgive other people. We looked at that last week. And then today we come to this petition Um, which is a prayer for spiritual protection and spiritual deliverance. When we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. With this petition, Jesus wants us to be continually reminded that we are in a spiritual battle. And we're most vulnerable, of course, when we're complacent, And we're unaware that we do have an enemy, a spiritual enemy. You know what happened uh, the day of Pearl Harbor? There were two radar operators looking at the radar that fateful morning. And they turned to their commanding officer who unfortunately had hardly any experience. And he had not been really trained for this position. But they said, sir, there's an unusual activity here on the radar there's a huge blip here. And he looked at it and he said, well, don't worry about it. And he turned away. He thought it was the U.S. Air Force. They were supposed to be flying missions that day. So he misinterpreted. They were unaware of the attack that was getting ready to hit them. And of course, it was the first wave of the Japanese fighters and bombers that would kill over like 2,400 people. And so we see that in history. To be unaware of the enemy... To be complacent, to not understand what's happening, that's when we're most vulnerable and weak. And it's the same way in the spiritual life. And so Jesus, in giving us this this petition, this final petition of the Lord's Prayer, is heightening our awareness to the spiritual battle that we face. And wants us to look to God for strength and protection. Jesus makes it clear that we have a spiritual enemy, Satan, who is a liar, he says, and is the father of lies. That's one of the ways that Satan attacks is through falsehood, unbelief, untruths. And Jesus said about Satan in John 10, 10, that he has come, the thief has come to steal, to kill and to destroy So that is the work of the enemy. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to tear down and take away what God is doing in our lives, in our family, in our church, in the culture. We have a spiritual enemy. If we believe the words of Jesus, we have to take this seriously. And so he teaches us to pray for God's mercy and God's protection in the midst of this battle. Now the first part of this petition is lead us, O Father, Heavenly Father, lead us not into temptation. Now at first glance we wonder why would we pray that God Himself would not lead us into temptation? Is this something that God would really do? Would God lead us into temptation? And in one sense, absolutely not. God is not going to tempt us to do evil. God is not going to entice us to sin. That would be against the nature, of course, and character of God. So, James chapter 1, verse 13, James, the brother of Jesus, says this. Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God. Don't blame it on God. Because, he says, God cannot be tempted with evil and he tempts no one. So it's outside the nature and character of God to tempt or entice people to sin and to fall. But God does permit us to go through testing. This Greek word that's translated here, temptation, can also be translated test. So we know that that God has done that with his children. We can see that in Scripture, that he allows them to go through testing. A great example of that is the ministry of Jesus himself. Before he began his ministry, he was led, it says in the Gospels, by the Spirit of God into the wilderness to be tested. The Spirit of God led him to this place of testing and trial. Now, it was the enemy, Satan, who tempted him. But God permitted that to happen. Why? Well, the purpose of God allowing us to be tested and tried is to strengthen us. And to teach us greater dependence upon God. Satan tempts to destroy. He wants us to fall. God allows testing to strengthen us. So I think when we pray, lead us not into temptation, I think we're saying, God, don't give me more than I can bear. I think it's a confession of weakness. And we're saying, because of my weak nature, God, don't lead me into a place. Don't allow me to go through trials. That would surely crush me and do me in. I'm looking to you for protection. So lead me not into a time of severe testing and trial. When Satan tempts, he tempts to destroy us. But when God allows that to happen, he wants to strengthen us. But we pray, God, we're weak. (laughs) We need your mercy. And so don't lead us to a time of severe testing or trial where we might surely fall. So now, if we're praying to God this way, then we need to cooperate with God. If we're praying, God, don't lead me into temptation, then we have a responsibility by God's grace and His strength and His help to not flirt with temptation, to not be like the little boy who tried to resist temptation with his hand in the cookie jar. This is one of my favorite illustrations of this. I think I've probably shared it before, but a, a mother made Cookies for her children, but she said, like every good mother says, don't eat the cookies until after dessert. And then she went about her business and she heard the cookie jar moving in the kitchen. She heard it kind of scooting along the counter the, the lid was being opened, So she said, Johnny, what are you doing? He says, my hands in the cookie jar resisting temptation. <laughs> well, you know, by that time, it's usually too late. Right? If your hand's in the cookie jar, the battle's practically over. And so when we pray, God, lead us not into temptation, we have a responsibility to watch out for ourselves, to be aware of where we're vulnerable. What temptations are you battling today? Where are you vulnerable? You know, the the temptation to not trust God and His goodness when we're going through suffering. When we're facing illness, as we age, there's a temptation to not cling to the promises of God and then to begin to believe our doubts about God's goodness. Where are you being tested today? There's a temptation in the midst of success to trust our ability, to trust what comes along with success money and accolades and security, and to put our Security in ourselves rather than God. That's a temptation that many people face today. Many people today, and I'm really concerned about this in our culture, are not really putting up much of a fight when it comes to the flood of sensuality and sexual imagery in our culture today. I'm concerned that families and marriages and ministries are being ruined because of pornography and sexual addiction in our culture. I'm concerned about how this will impact our youth. The College of American Pediatrics released a report November 2015 about the effects of pornography use on children and teenagers in our culture today. Take a look at it. And it basically says, this is going to lead and is leading to depression, anxiety, increased rates of sexual assaults, decreased understanding of healthy relationships it does not pretend well at all for our future the future of marriage or stable society stable families or society at large it is a enormous problem and so are we paying attention to what's happening what we're letting into our homes are we praying for our children and our grandchildren in this area and are we fighting against temptation? Are we willing to share our struggles with one another in the body of Christ with brothers and sisters and say, hey, I'm, I'm dealing with this. I'm battling this. Will you pray for me? Will you come alongside me? And that's what we're called to do in the body of Christ, because we're saying, Lord, lead us together in not into temptation, but deliver us together as a community from evil. So when we pray this, we have to cooperate with what God is doing in our life and resist temptation by His grace as much as possible. We will fall, but then we're called to get back up and keep battling. And the great news, the good news, is that God is certainly the deliverer. He does deliver people from evil. And that's what we pray in the second phrase of the prayer. Deliver us from evil or Deliver us from the evil one. I mean, there's a debate how to translate this. But the fact is that whether it's the evil one Satan or evil in the abstract, it's all part of a kingdom of darkness that is coming against the people of God. There's an unholy alliance that we're battling against, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And we need to look to God for deliverance. And we know that God does that. And has done that through Jesus Christ. And we see that in our gospel reading. When Jesus cast this demon out from this man. He says, if it is by the spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. This is one of the signs. This is one of the evidence of the coming kingdom of God. When evil is dealt with and cast out in the power and name of Jesus Christ. This is one of the reasons why the early church spread so rapidly, by the way. Historians will tell you this, that one of the key factors in the spread of the early church was that the Christians had power to deal with evil and evil forces. Because in the pagan culture, people understood that there were spiritual forces of evil. And some of them had addiction and compulsion and they were caught in a grip of something they didn't have power over and they didn't understand. But then they came to the church and proclaimed the power of Jesus Christ over these things and they were set free. This is a ministry we need to recover today in the church because we're seeing that in our society, aren't we? Increased addiction, compulsion, mental disease and disorders, undiagnosed sicknesses. I'm not saying all this is caused by evil spirits. I'm not saying that at all, but I'm saying evil forces are alive and well today. They didn't stop working after the New Testament period, early, early church period. And there's a lot of evil and darkness in our world today. And we can think about it just in terms of, of what's happening in our culture. I mean, who can deny it? <laughs> you have to bury your head in the sand to not see the darkness that's in our culture today. And maybe that's sometimes that's what we want to do because we don't want to face it. But as the church of Jesus Christ, we're called to rise up and proclaim that there is somebody who can change people's hearts. There is a light in the darkness and his name is Jesus. But, you know, you don't have to go looking for examples of this. I on Thursday, I was on my computer and looked at the news and I wasn't looking for an example of this at all, but. I came across this story of what happened to a boy in East St. Louis. And it broke my heart. That 10 year old boy, did you hear this? Was hit by a car. No, 11 year old. Left in the street. People, the police said, people actually drove around his body as he was dying. Deliver us from evil. There was a lady who stopped to pray. That's what's going on with the human heart. Why have we become so callous? Jesus said in Matthew twenty-four, twelve: in the last days, wickedness will increase and the love of many will grow cold. What can change the human heart? The power of Christ, the love of God. And that's what needs to happen. See, it's not just the evil that's out there that we have to pray against and deal with. But it's also we have to take inventory of our own life. Where are the dark places in our heart? Where are the places in my life that I'm resisting Christ and the light of Christ? A popular Bible teacher used to say that, you know, think about what's within you as a town. And you invite God into your life. And you let Him come on Main Street. And you let him go over to Maple Street and Elm Street. Now, this is small town USA. Think about your life that way. But then for some Christians, there's the alleys and the back streets and the outskirts and the dark places. And they don't let Jesus go over there. They don't let the light of Christ penetrate those behaviors and those thought patterns and that part of their personality. They're hanging on to the very thing that is hurting them. And the enemy is gaining a foothold in their life. And so when we pray, Lord, deliver us from evil, it's an opportunity to examine ourselves. And ask ourselves, is there a place in my life that I've closed off from Christ? And we're going to invite the light of Christ into that place. We have to distance ourselves from any form of religious syncretism. You know what syncretism is? is saying, I worship Christ, but I have this other power that I'm looking to. God's people have to cut themselves off from any form of that. We worship one God, and we're to look to him only for spiritual wisdom and power. In Deuteronomy chapter 18, Moses says this to the people of Israel as they're entering into a pagan land. He says, when you come into the land that the Lord your God has given you, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or daughter as an offering. That's human sacrifice. That's, of course, ruled out. Anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens or a sorcerer or a charmer, or a medium, or a necromancer, anybody who's communicating to the dead, as God's people, you're not to have anything to do with that. Palm reading, fortune telling, mediums, astrology, all that needs to go away. Whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God is driving these them out before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. This is God's call to his people to separate from any religious practices that are looking to a power other than Jesus Christ. You've got to cut yourself off from that because that is spiritually deadly and dangerous. Deliver us, Lord, from evil. When we pray this prayer, we're praying for God's deliverance and protection over our lives, over our families, over our church, over our community. The Apostle Paul says this, and I'll close with this very familiar verse in Ephesians chapter 6, where he says, and this is so important in our political climate today. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, this is Ephesians 6 12, but against the rulers and against the authorities, and the cosmic powers of over this present darkness and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The battle is not ultimately with people. The battle is a spiritual battle. What's happening in our culture is ultimately a spiritual battle and it requires spiritual weapons of warfare. If you're fighting a spiritual battle, you need spiritual weapons. And so the Apostle Paul says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. "...that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Having done all, stand firm. Take up the belt of truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. For shoes for your feet, put on the readiness of the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, we are to take up the shield of faith, which can extinguish all the fiery darts of the evil one. We are to take up the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and pray at all times. And to keep alert... There it is again. Don't be like those operators on the morning of Pearl Harbor and that officer who didn't really know what was happening. We're most vulnerable when we don't understand the enemy is at work to attack us. But we have in Christ a victor. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That reminds us we're in a battle, but it calls us to look to God for the victory. He is victorious in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. We do pray, O oh God, that you would help us to trust in your power and your authority and your greatness over evil in our lives and in the lives of those around us and in the community at large. We recognize that there are forces at work that in and of ourselves, by ourselves, in our own strength, we're powerless. But through the work of your spirit and in the name of Christ, there is victory. And so let us trust. Help us to trust in you, Lord Jesus. Help us to pray for protection over our lives and our families and this church and this community and this nation. Deliver us, Lord. Lead us not into the time of severe trust, testing, but deliver us from evil. For the sake of your glory and your name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.